Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of 11 Questions where each week we meet a new person and get to know them. I'm your host Aman Tiwana and today we meet Tiffany Schlade, who is an Emmy-nominated filmmaker, founder of the Webby Awards and the author of 24 Basics. Let's find out more about her after this quick word from our sponsor. Hi Tiffany, welcome to 11 Questions. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I am beyond excited to be talking to you today. I'm going to start with a very simple question. How has your Sunday been so far? It has actually been great. Thank you for asking. I went to the farmer's market, which is my New Year's resolution to go every week, and it makes me so happy to go. And then I went on a hike with a friend, and I spent time with my husband, and it's, I'm feeling really good. But thank you for asking. Wow, that's a lot of things. Yeah, it was. it's interesting. And I gave a talk already to this group of bloggers in Pakistan earlier today, and then I have one more talk tonight now. That is normally too many things for a Sunday, but I was really looking forward to speaking with you. And because I had such a relaxing day yesterday for my tech Shabbat, it's okay to be busy today. <laughs> and what are you most thankful for today? That I get to connect with you. And I think one of the greatest parts of the pandemic is that I feel like I've really connected through social media with a lot of new yes. people in my life. So. I had a friend that was telling me that her life was feeling very small in the pandemic. And while the people that I actually see at a distance is very small amount, I really do feel like the world has expanded with people like you and the talks that I give in different parts of the world. So I feel mm-hmm. great with that. I can agree with that. I definitely have met more people in this last year than I have in person ever, I would say. <laughs> you said you have a tech break on Saturdays. So yeah. I was very curious about that. How long have you been doing this? 11 years. 11 wow. years. I know. It's going to be 11 years in a couple of weeks. But yeah, so one day every week from Friday night to Saturday night, myself and my entire family, we have no screens. And it's been very life-changing. I, I ended up writing a book about it called 24-6. And it's just brought so much balance to my life. Wow. You are an inspiration to me. Because I only did this for one day, 24 hours. And oh God, it was so hard. <laughs> There is some prep to do and like kind of mentally what you need to do. But once you get into that mindset that it separates each of your week, it just starts giving back so much. Yeah. And also it's so great to be able to do that, I think, because right now it's like I get up, I check my phone and then I go to my work, which is on computer. Then I go back to phone, then I watch TV. So it's like so much of just that. Well, if you think about it, and I think that is the right way to start thinking about it is you're spending your whole day getting a lot of input from the screen. And what I find is that when I turn off the screen, I finally can hear what I'm really thinking about. Because so often you're just thinking about the news and the social media notifications and all the emails coming in. And when you stop and like really realize, what are you thinking about? What are you hoping for? What are you grateful for? What are you worried about? What do you want to change in your life? You know, Friday night, we always have people over for dinner outside at a distance and no cell phones allowed. And then um, Saturday, you know, I do a lot of writing. I we do reading. Kind of sometimes we just do nothing. We'll take a walk in nature. But it just gives me time to think about things. I think we're inputting so much information and so much news and so much social media and so much input from other people. And it lets you kind of turn it all off and be like, what life do I want to live? What life am I living? What's important to me? And it really gives you that time once a week to reset and recalibrate and think bigger picture. So it's been extremely, extremely valuable. 
I also have been thinking a lot about the whole input versus output thing. And I think I definitely need to put it in practice at some point. That's interesting, input versus output. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it, right? That you're inputting so much into your brain. And when do you really make space, like protected space for output? I read a lot. I also want to write, but I feel like I'm just taking the input, not creating things. So the output part is definitely missing there. Yeah, well, I, I can give you one tip on when I wrote my book, because I wrote my book while I was doing a lot of other things. And the biggest thing that I was able to do to write my book is I went to bed early. This was just for like a year, just about three days a week. I would go to bed at 9 p.m. and get up at 5. And some, and from 5 to 7, I would write. And somehow, I wouldn't be looking at my email in the morning. My brain was the freshest in the morning. And there was something about getting up that early and not looking at my email and just writing, it felt like I found two hours in the day. My next book that I want to write is a lot about kind of how to make things happen. And a lot of it is about making space. I mean, there's this incredible uh, saying by Annie Dillard. It's like, how you spend your days is indeed how you spend your life. So if you're on screens all day, every day, which most people are right now, that's how you're you're spending your life on screens. And My 11-year-old daughter, Bluma, who you just met, she once said, I don't think anyone's going to get to the end of their life and wish that they had been scrolling more. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) No one's going to be like, ah, I wish I got to the bottom of the internet. Because there is no bottom of the internet. Oh, yes. I've tried to find it. It doesn't exist. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great tip. I'm going to try to implement that. And you do wear a lot of hats. Like one is on your head right now. And then you have a writer hat, you have a filmmaker hat, and you are also a public speaker. So which of these do you enjoy the most? Oh my God, that's a great question. Well, you know, I'm usually, yeah, half of my life, I'm normally like traveling around the world giving big talks and big theaters. And I love doing that. And then when the pandemic happened, that all just got canceled. And I've been doing a lot of talks on Zoom, which I think I've really figured out how to make them engaging for myself and for my audience. So anyone listening, I do a lot of different kind of things on Zoom that they can check out. They go to TiffanySchlein.com. But I do a Zoom holobake where I've been baking with people from all over the world once a month now. But back to your question, what do I enjoy doing most? I really enjoy them all for different reasons. So writing, I like. I like the solitary. I like thinking deeply about something. Although it's not as solitary as you think because I have an incredible editor that I send stuff to and, and she sends me drafts back. And so it's very collaborative, but all on the page. And then filmmaking, I've been working with the same filmmaking partner for 15 years and it's very collaborative. We're writing the script on the same document at the same time and we're looking for images together. And then I love putting those out into the world. I love the kind of response and emotion to a film. But, you know, with the book, it's been so exciting. I mean, every day people on Instagram, I think that's how I met you. I mean, every day yeah. people are posting, holding up my book, saying how much it's changed their life, what it means to them. It's so meaningful to me because like with my films, you don't have that same kind of intimate relationship that I do with my readers. And then in a theater, that's a whole different thing because there's nothing that can replace being in a room with a thousand people and interacting with them, giving a talk or showing a movie and that kind of experience. So I feel so grateful that I get to do each one of those things. Speaking of public speaking, you must have talked at different places, different events. Which one is the most memorable for you? That would have to be when 
I had just turned 40. Sorry, my dog's like eating in the back. No, that's a great background. <laughs> She's like chewing away. Uh, I went to UC Berkeley for undergraduate. They asked me to deliver the commencement address when I had just turned 40. That was the biggest speech of my life. It was in front of 17,000 people. Oh my God. That was very nerve wracking. It felt like the most profound speech because the school that had taught me how to think was like asking me what I had learned out in the real world and what I had to share with all these undergraduates. And also I had just lost my dad and I was feeling very raw and I was very nervous. And I don't normally get nervous for talks. Like I remember right before I went out on stage when I saw that many people and my mouth got dry and I, I never get dry mouth. And I was like, you know, I was like, water, don't give me water. And fortunately I got, and then I was just nervous right at the beginning. And then I just felt super in the zone. I did some things spontaneously that were not planned, but I was glad I just went for it. And it was the best speech of my life. I mean, I got a big standing ovation and wow. it was one of the most powerful moments of my life. Yeah, definitely sounds great. And also standing ovation. Yeah, it, it's interesting because like, I have a speaker highlight video and the person I cut it together kind of ended with that. And I will never forget that moment, but I'm glad it was also on video. <laughs> like ever feeling <laughs> just down. In case. Just watch that standing of it. Now I also have to talk about your third hack, which is your filmmaking. I saw that you have won some awards for your films. And I'm just curious, like, how does it feel to win all these awards and, you know, be applauded by viewers and critics for something you have put your heart and soul into? It feels really good. I mean, I had one film that mixed reviews. And it's really hard. I have a friend who's a writer. I mean, I would say most of my films have, even that film that got mixed reviews won 17 awards. But I remembered those bad reviews. And... It was hard to read them. And my friend told me that bad reviews go straight to your heart and good reviews can go straight to your head. (laughs) But I'll tell you something. There was one line in the bad review on a film I was really friggin' proud of that won all those other awards. But there was one reviewer and he wrote one line that I didn't forget. And when I was working on my book, my editor wanted to cut some sections of, you know, trim down some sections. She said, it'll make it more even. And the critique of the, of, of the one of my other films was reviews, an uneven mix of whatever. And I remember thinking, I can learn from that critique. And I ended up letting her cut more than, not everything she wanted to, but more. And it was interesting because I have gotten a lot of great reviews. But I think if you're open to criticism, as hard as that might be, like, I know some friends that are like, I never read my reviews. I'm like, what? I mean, like, I mean, I I would be able to hold back. Right, good or bad. Like, when I got a great review, I read it like 20 million times on my book or something. Like, I worked so hard on it. And like, when you get a great review, you realize that what you were trying to do, someone got it. And they might have even gotten it in a different way than you were hoping. So it's very validating. And when I was younger, a lot of times the thing I was trying to achieve, I wasn't able to. And so the more I practiced that, the more I did it. Now when I make a film, I'm very confident, even when I go through hard periods, that I'll get to where I want to go. So the good reviews are confirming and, and fuel you and help you get funding for your next project. So knowing how to chronicle the good reviews to re-show to your potential funders, like that's an important part of the process because I do spend a lot of time raising money, which is not my favorite part, but very important part of any creative life, you know. 
you know, I'm 50 years old. I've worked really hard in my life, and I feel grateful that I get to do what I love to do, and now I'm recognized for it. So like you mentioned, you've done different projects, different areas. What has been your proudest achievement? Um, I think one of them is the book. Yeah, I think the book right here. I think that's one of them. And then that film that I told you that I worked really hard on, which is called Connected. It was my only feature film, my only 80-minute film. The rest of my films are short, which I love short films. Um, and then that speech that you asked me about, I think those are my father's moments. You did mention your monthly baking Zoom sessions. Yeah. I want to know more about that. The only recipe in my book is for challah, which is a very sweet, savory, yummy Jewish bread. I describe in the book a lot about our Friday night dinners because we make the same thing every Friday night and we do it every week for, you know, and so it's really good at this point because we have perfected these dishes and one of them is the challah. When the pandemic happened, it was actually my daughters because we make it every Friday morning. They were mm-hmm. like, well, let's do it on Zoom. And I kind of was like, okay, who knows what our new life's going to be like? And Hundreds of people came, and they were so fun. We did them every week for the first four months of the pandemic. And I had guest writers and scientists and people from Italy and Berlin and all over the country. And, and I think everyone was looking for community, and we talked about the pandemic and the election. And and then it started to kind of take over my life. Like, suddenly, people like, you have a baking show now. I'm like, oh, my God, I do. That's all I'm doing. And I really wanted more time to go back to filmmaking in it. So now we do them once a month. So our next mm-hmm. one's going to be January 29th. But if you go to zoomhalabake.com, which is like C-H-A-L-L-A-H-bake.com, you can find out when the next one is. And we made actually a fun four-minute highlight video from all the holidays. But it was super fun. We had my husband teach like his incredible roasted chicken. I've had people teach us different recipes. But a lot of times we're talking about really serious things as we're baking super fun and a lot of people always come and there's always new people so it's it's a real mix it's very fun because i call on people like i keep them all on zoom (laughs) you can be called on at any moment it's like a classroom (laughs) it's fun we've had dance parties at the beginning like i'm keeping it fun it's a different kind of zoom experience than you probably have (laughs) sounds really fun to me would you say hala is your guilty pleasure food or is it something else you know, Friday nights, like my cheat day, like, you know, I'm always trying to watch my weight and what I eat. But Friday night is the night that all bets are off. I have gooey triple cream brie from France for like appetizers. We have pala. I have ice cream. Like Friday night, all bets are off. Oh, we can wow. have anything we want. And I then, your Friday nights. And then I try to be good the other days. <laughs> That's my day. It's complete cheat day. Before we end our segment, I have to talk about books because you are an author i'm a reader if you could pick only three books to read forever which books would you pick well first my dad wrote a book called art and physics and he passed away about 11 years ago so it's like i'm talking to me when i read it so i could see bringing that one sid hartha was a really influential book to me i've actually been meaning to reread it it was like one of the most profound i'm really interested in eastern philosophy so i think i would bring that one and I like so many different books for different reasons. Yeah, I, I don't like this question, but I like to ask it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I might get back to you on my third book, but okay. 
or actually, you know, my daughter um, recently she's gotten super into philosophy. She has a book on like an overview of philosophy. I think it would be a book that I could really mull on. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, if you were to pick one interesting life experience to share with us, which one would that? Be? Well, when I was in fourth grade, it was like bring your parent to school day, and my dad, who was a doctor and he operated on the brain. He brought a brain into formaldehyde in a bucket into <laughs> oh my, my first God. grade class. <laughs> and he lifted up the bucket. So, like, the brain was just sitting there. And I just remember every, a lot of people screamed. And I was just fascinated that, like, every <laughs> emotion and every thought was in this three-pound, weird-looking, pink, ripply thing. Very interesting. And I'm just imagining what, like, the kids would be going crazy. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany, for answering all my questions. Oh, it's great to talk to you. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your book. The moment I saw your book, I was super curious because I was like, yeah, we need this. We need one day off. We are just like on all the time. What actually motivated you to write this? Well, I was... You know, super into technology, and my early career is that I founded the Webby Awards, and I ran that for like a decade, which honors the best of the web. So I was like, in it. I was just like, anything involved with the web. And when the iPhone came out, that was the moment when I just felt like everyone got super addicted, and I just loved to act it all the time. And then 11 years ago, my father, the one who taught me everything about the brain, was diagnosed with brain cancer and was given nine months to live. And also the same week I found out I was pregnant. So I had this very intense nine-month period. And then he did die exactly when they said he was going to and my daughter was born. It was like this period of really thinking about my life and his life or kids' life and my life with Ken and what did I want to focus on. And, and that's when we started doing it. It was just, I knew I didn't want to be on the screen, so it didn't feel good. I didn't want to look life and be like, I was on screens most of my life. And the truth is that my best memories always really fall on those days without screen. Those are the days I remember. Those are the things I remember. It's not when I'm on the screen, when I don't even know hours pass. But I feel like time kind of is open and sacred and beautiful. And so 11 years of that, I can tell you that's the result. Definitely. And I want to encourage everyone to check your book out. So if someone wants to buy your book, where can they do that? I always encourage people to go to their local independent bookstore. Um, they can do that online. Um, and actually, if you go to my website for the book, so the book is 24-6, and the site is 24, the numbers, sixlife.com. And if you click order the book, I show you all the kind of ways to buy it independently, and you can also buy it through Amazon. Yeah, and then on social media, I'm talking about a lot of these ideas a lot in different ways. You know, the book is my most concentrated deep dive into ideas around screens and technology and time and creativity and productivity and really like how to live a good life. What are things that you can create a lot of things in the world, but also make sure you're listening to your own inner world and value that, that that's where so much creativity comes from. And if we're always staring at screens, we're never going to hear what's inside. And every great wisdom practice talks about the value of silence and introspection, collection, and we've created a world where we we don't have any room for that anymore. You you have to fight for it. You have to have the courage to say, I value this way to live, and I need to have it just one day a week. I'm not going to be influenced by the outside world for for a whole day. Yeah, I agree. Before we end our talk today, are there any creative projects that you're working right now? 
Uh, I'm working on a proposal to turn the book into an original series that we'll be kind of pitching to the streaming networks. Ooh, awesome. Talking to those kind of networks. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I've done one original series before and I had a lot of fun doing it. Actually, that's short film I was telling you about, about the creative process. That mm-hmm. was from my, my one other original series. I had a blast. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for meeting with me today and sharing your life, your experiences with us. Oh, it was great to talk to you. And, and listeners, I'm staying connected with you. <laughs> and listeners, do check out Tiffany's book, 24 by 6, The Power of Unplugging One Day a Week. And I will meet you here again next week. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Tiffany. Hope you enjoyed getting to know her as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a 5-star rating. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!